Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever you listen to this. This is Matt Chibili alongside my critiquing fan in crime, Carl Medina. Hello. And this is another episode of Bears, Beats, and Bailey. And I actually think that this is going to be a shorter episode in comparison to, you know, what we did last last time with Suicide Squad and all those other stuff that yeah, we well, discussed here. Yeah, well, we had, we had Claude as our guest, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> so, 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 guys, this one is going to be kind of boring because, I mean... Summer vacation is almost done, you know, all the yeah. summer blockbusters trying to wind down. I mean, even today, well, any time of this bro- um, broadcast as well, too, we're going to have the closing ceremony for the for the Olympics. Right. So, yeah, man, it's boring yeah. episode. <laughs> well, at least, no, well, uh, at least we, we haven't what I call the apology movies because, you know, <laughs> yeah. this, this whole year for me, you know, almost every movie for this year has been massively disappointing. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember if there was any disappointment before... BVS. No, not really. I can't think of any. Okay. Yep. I mean, the shows weren't stellar, but there wasn't anything that really stuck. Like, oh gosh, that was that was terrible. But I just think almost almost everybody, every every movie, um, for me, was like, oh, they could have do this better. You could have do this better. You could have do this better. Like, this was a shit year. Like, seriously, it's only the only people who kind of come good was Deadpool, Civil War. That's it. Yeah. Um, in terms of mainstream movies, and I had a bunch of like side movies that I enjoy. Like, A to Four brought out a bunch of great movies. Um. Uh, Swiss Army Man, for example, was one of those that really, really stood out for me. It was great. Still need to watch that. Though. Yeah, and I, I well, got watch to, it. I should say, not watch it. Though. I haven't even started. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I got you. No, yeah, I got, I got a screen for it, and I, I really enjoyed it. So that's gonna get a top ten for the year for me. Um, and yeah, just like, well, the movie we're gonna talk about is one of those that is one of I call the apology movies, which is Hell movies. or High Water. Yes, where, yeah. where we have a case of it's a simple script, um, and simple movie making, and. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just not not nobody in in, a, in errors or chaos, and you know, exactly. a, no, no 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 studio heads clashing. Right, with the I director. mean, you know, I so I just frankly so fucking tired of talking about behind the scenes bullshit. Like I shouldn't be talking about that. Right, nobody should. In fact, if you think about it, mm-hmm. it, it gets so bad now because DC is such a damn disaster. It have a whole cottage industry design about talking this on the internet, which is ridiculous. Right, that's something that you're not you're not even supposed to hear about most of this shit. You know, we're tired, tired of talking about Josh Trank and, and you know, which director fuck up and which cut is the cut we're supposed to be watching. We're not supposed to be having these conversations. Yeah, but right? people that's love how that... to talk about that. That's that no, no, inevitable. It's, it's interesting to talk about if you're really in the industry and you're part of it. I get that. And, you know, it's, it's mildly interesting to talk about as a factoid after the fact. Like, you know, five, six years after the movie come out, you hear something went on on set and blah, 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 blah. When you're having a documentary about a great film or something. But, like, I just so fucking sick about talking about this after the movie come out, like less than a month. Give me a break, eh? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, too it, many it, movies. It, it, yeah, it's kind of like, well, the movie didn't come out the way we wanted to because, you know, there's all this drama here and all this drama there. Yeah. And, and then I'm supposed to feel better now, be like, you know what, let me just forgive this show, you know, give it a four right. stars, whatever. Yeah, that, no. that bullshit. <laughs> I'm so sick of that shit, eh? Yeah. I mean, whatever. I mean, and this summer was just riddled with that nonsense. Almost, like, yeah, it had like two or three big movies I was like constantly. Yeah, you spend more time talking about the stuff behind the scenes rather than the actual movie itself. But the movie yeah. is just garbage. Yeah, Ghostbusters was like that. Uh, but that's that ancillary kind of reasons. And then, of course, the two DC movies. Yeah. Uh, All right. This episode, we're going to talk about what, Matthew? Yeah. Um, Hello, High Water that we just mentioned. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, it's from the Scottish director, David McKenzie. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my own characterization of the movie, but I'll get to that when we get to our review. Yeah. Um, but 
apart from that, it's written by Taylor Sheridan, who um, who wrote Rip. the script for Sicario. Yeah, boy. Which for some reason wasn't nominated for best um, original screenplay. What? Yeah. You know, at least it got noms for um, best cinematography, and I also thought that um, in retrospect, Benicio del Toro could have could have gotten a nomination for best supporting man. I mean, right. remember that performance? Jeez. Yeah, he was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, also, I managed to see the latest Netflix series, um, The Get Down. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'll talk about that. Well, actually, you're going to start with that first, and then um, a show that, <laughs> I don't know, I'm just kind of feeling bad because I persuaded you before to go and check it out. And then, oh, yeah, like, right. last yeah. minute for me, I was like, you know, should I watch Hello, High Water, or should I watch this movie? And then I just chose the former. Right. I'm talking about um, Ben Hur. I don't want to yeah. say until last summer blockbuster because we have a few more coming up but yeah well you could tell that the whole summer blockbuster thing starting to start to wind down and you know probably might just crash into a wall with, with movies uh, like this yeah you know, throwing movies that's what you're right right yeah. i didn't really have a big uh i don't know i i just didn't completely because I didn't, I didn't um, spend too much time on Ben Hill caring about it. And then the week, that week, that day, what well, it was yesterday, I think, I was just spending time, had a bunch of other shit to deal with anyway. So it's like I didn't care. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Ben Hill was a mess. Whatever, we'll talk about it. Yeah. We... <laughs> All right. Well, first thing first, um, well, I'll talk about the Get Down. Yeah, cool. All right. So um, the Get Down is, like I said, latest Netflix series. It um, premiered on August 12th. Which is like about a week ago. Yeah. Well, exactly a week ago. Um, it's created and, well, at least the first episode was directed by Bas Lerman. Right. If you remember, he's the director of such films like Strictly Ballroom, which I haven't seen before yeah. ever. I think that was his first um, Australian feature film. Yeah. And then, well, people really started to know about him when William Shakespeare, sorry, William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet or Romeo, right. or Romeo plus Juliet came out right. in 96. I saw Leo. That, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Deans. There was a big, right. big, big deal. Although, like, in retrospect, it's, it's one of those kind of... Like, it's an 90s, MTV movie. Yeah, it's an MTV movie. It's blatantly yeah. MTV. From yeah. the, the editing styles to, you know, the, the cinematography, the camera work. But what always amused me about the movie is that they kept the Shakespearean speech down. Yeah. The dialogue basically down. Yeah. And I was just wondering, in this MTV generation back then... How anybody was supposed to understand what they were seeing, you know? Well, I get, I mean, somebody can, can make sense of it, but yeah, I, it's a movie that I, <laughs> Wait, I only like. I mean, I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't hate the show, don't get me wrong. I don't right, hate I only, the movie at I, all. I understand why it's that, but. I know. I, I, I won't say it's the best interpretation of that story. Right, no, it's, it's, a, it's a strange movie because it's a movie I only liked because older cousins liked it. So, you know, it's one of those by proxy kind of things. Um, especially when you were young, I was pretty young then. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember watching back the other day, and it was like, it, it, you know, if you think about it from a Shakespeare standpoint, it worked to a certain extent, but it was a, it's a, such a baffling style and aesthetic. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was the intention, and it kind of worked for a lot of people. I totally got it was a product of its time. Yeah. Um, and I also remember this review that um, Roger Ebert did, where yeah. he did not like the film at all. I think he gave it like one or two stars. The reason being is because he felt that the story forgot the overall message about, you know, love and stuff and more focus right. on the, the violence, you know, the, right. the war between the two um the two 
with two families. Right. Like, and it's I, glorifying I, that too much, really. And that's, that's kind of Baz, Baz Luhrmann. Like, Baz Luhrmann was always, for me, that style of a substance kind of person. Yeah, where we'll get to that with, with, this, with this series here, too. Where his substance... But the substance only lies in this kind of postmodernist kind of way of, well, oh, I could interpret it in a new way kind of attitude. Yeah. And that's my problem with him. Uh, but he's a good filmmaker, in my opinion. I still think of he's course, a, yeah. a, sol- a solid filmmaker. I don't think... Uh, um, I never hated him or think he's like some kind of hack or anything like that. No, no. Um, um, and he always brought his own... What, what I like right. is that you could tell that he, he loves musical films. Right. Um, and I don't want to pick like one particular one, but I have a feeling that he is hugely inspired by um, West Side Story. That's right, one yeah, in particular. Yeah, that's um, yeah. And it's more evident with the next film that he did, uh, I think it was back in 2001, Moulin right. Rouge, yeah. which I remember was a big deal back then. You know, we had the, which, the Lady Marmalade um, single. Right, you know, it, which, which I yeah. remember hating. I remember hating Moulin Rouge movie, but yeah, that music video was badass. Yeah, um, no, but the thing about the movie, like, I was, I was on board and okay, right. I, I'm not really used to that style of, of musical, but I saw they kind of copied that, that style with Happy Feet, where, right. you know, like in the opening scene, you will have different characters singing different covers of pop songs. And it's like one person will sing one song and then they will get a segue to somebody else singing something else. And it's like this big kind of um, cacophony of like different sounds and voices going on. And it right. just felt like that. Just this kind of chaotic kind of vibe where everybody was just singing some kind of billboard right. song from the 80s and the 70s and then the story kind of picks up but right the thing that really turned more because i mean honestly i don't remember much about the show except the like i said the kind of chaotic vibe with the music it's just right. the end being so tragic and i don't know i i kind of like my musicals to end on a happy note this one just ended blatantly tragic it's like uh come down man really right that's how they got in the show you know you, you, you have it like this big glorious fun film there. and then you right. just end it like that like Dude, really? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, for me, uh, I remember um, just like I remember Chicago came out roughly around that time. So Chicago just over over. Well, yeah, it, it came. It, I think it came a year or two after that one. Right. Yeah. So I was like, I, I remember watching Moulin Rouge. It sucked, and then because Chicago <laughs> came out, um, yeah, I was but, like, but yeah, that movie is better. Chicago, it's more. Yeah, famous. and I was like, oh, this is how you're supposed to do this, yeah, and I completely, yeah. I completely forgot. Um, Moulin Rouge and that just clouded my memory against Moulin Rouge and I suppose if Moulin Rouge existed on its own I'd have a probably better memory for it but yeah. nah and, yeah and like I said before way too much style over substance like, right I barely remember what the the actual story is about okay it's this kind of love story between Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman but yeah uh, that that's all I know because just of the poster alone and of right. course it was just all these songs like I said all these flashy visuals and dance numbers and stuff but yeah, nothing really stood out to me that much. Right. Yeah. Um, what other stuff he did? Uh, well, there was Australia, which honestly I I kind of skipped because I heard it. Sucked. Right. <laughs> it. That's the thing. Um, <laughs> Australia was one of those. Yeah, you know, you always see those movies where it's it's just about it's just one of those kind of legacy movies. It's all about Australia and Australian I history. Love and, Australia. That kind of right. Thing. So here's the thing. I I can't. I don't know if if. Uh, it, this movie is clearly, it was, I don't know, I get a feeling that it was clearly propaganda for like a liberal Australian government. Like, wow. it's like, oh, oh, well, we're going to apologize for what we did to the Abor- Aborigines and we're going to do blah, blah, blah. And this is the movie to do that. And it came out at that time when, <laughs> when, you know, everybody had to, um, you know, remember you know, the Australian government, it was a pretty liberal government when they apologized to the Aborigines for what they did to the children and all of that. It's right. a whole history. 
Right, and that movie came out to ride that kind of wave. You know, you, you, film film is like admitted. Film is really like on average, filmmakers tend to be very politically liberal, and that end up playing out that way. Uh, mm-hmm. Where in Australia, where they say, "Oh, cool," it just felt it, but it felt like that. It just felt, "Oh, cool, we're gonna just do this film," you know, showing Australian history and this story in Australian history, and we get to know Cole Kidman once again, yeah, and Hugh Jackman, yeah, and it had this you know Aboriginal kid, and it's like, oh. I, I it was a movie that was just too 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 you know patting its patting its own back a little too much. Right. Um, I didn't hate it, and I remember I remember meeting the guy who did song design for it. And okay. Yeah, yeah, it was like he was a legit guy. I forget it was like a, it was like a um just a little press something where the, the person come and just talk about their career, whatever it is. And that oh, was oh, oh, like that. Okay, okay. Right. I, I, I understand now. Right, and that was it. it. You just you just came to talk about the film. And uh, it was let me guess, you didn't sound that enthusiastic, like, um, no, you know, it, I had a great time making this movie and, you know, doing no, that's, all this. That's the sad and... part is that the film, you know, the film, they don't have control of the film after the fact. So it, <laughs> he, he remember, actually, he enjoyed it. It was great. And they, they, they did a great a whole run through of why it is that, because uh, the film from a technical standpoint was solid. It was solid business. Yeah, I mean, you just, can expect that. Yeah. It just a script for shit. So, <laughs> um, Right, that's pretty much it. Uh, uh, yeah, oh yes, uh, and um, well, yes, and finally there was the Great Gatsby, which right. um, once again, not a style over substance. Don't right. remember much about the story, but then again, it's because I'm not too familiar with the source material. Yeah, well, believe it, it or not. Yeah. Yeah, no. Usually, in the case of Great Gatsby, you know, it's usually something when you say something is unfilmable. This is one yeah, of those. That was kind of weird because I remember there was a a, a, a film adaptation of it in the seventies, I think. Seventies, right? Yeah. So, I don't remember what year, but yeah, I think it was seventy. Four seventy three, I think so, but so, right, yeah. So when I was hearing about this, and I was like, "What's a big deal?" Okay, you have Leo, Capio, big star, right? As Luriman, so you know you gotta get this glamorous kind of style. But then I started to hear about Jay Z, and then you you try right. to bring in no church any while, you know right. his music, basically his rock nation music. At this, I'm like, what, what, yeah. what, what? Yeah, no, Jay-Z, yeah, Jay Z didn't fit. Jay Z didn't fit. Um, the film didn't again because of the nature of the book. The book is heavily based on, it has a lot of prose in it. So it's to describe this scenario does, doesn't really work out quite well. So most people just miss the point now. So a lot of people love the book. Um, and almost no one likes the, the movie, or any movie, because it's hard to do. Um, and just to translate is a big problem. And is it, that is it that it's just, there's so much going on in the book that you can't really right. compress well, it to... Yeah, again, you know. it's not a long book, so I, th- I, I do recommend you just actually sit down and read it. Um, yeah, it's one of those that just... Is prose, so you're not sure what is being described exactly and how to translate that into direct imagery in film. Oh, okay. I and that's, tr- that's the trouble with it now because the, the the movie, the original 1970s movie, su- suffered from the same trap now. Yeah. And Baz Luhrmann, Baz Luhrmann is a kind of guy that seems to keep suffering from that trap in the industry in that way. You know, just getting these projects that when you actually think about it, it's not a really wise project to jump into, and you'll end up just getting a mediocre product. And that's what happened to him. Yeah. Almost. Almost all well, of his movies, even though I think he has interesting ideas and a vision, all the products that end up coming across kind of uh, mediocre ultimately, sadly. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's, if, if we could kind of say the same thing for this show here. Right. But I don't know. Like, I think that, I don't want to say he was born in the wrong decade or whatever, but right. I kind of see him like, you know, back in the 40s and 50s where, you know, musicals were so big, you know, and every everyone needed to be more... Um, more lavish, more big budget than the next one, you know. Right. So it, it's it's kind of like if he was if he were making films during that period, right. Then he would have been more influential. He would have he would have had a bigger name. But right now it's kind of like he's in this 
time now in this in this era where musicals i mean you don't really see that much musicals there nowadays you know i can't remember the last like true musical that i saw i mean well we, we'll forget about um, bollywood from it but i mean yeah. like true hollywood musicals like none really come to mind right now yeah so you know, always, yes yeah you always right make these these films that kind of look like musicals they have the the set design and cinematography right. and it's in feels like a musical but it's not you know right yeah, uh, yeah again, there, there was one again. that came to mind actually it was um it was this rock and roll movie it had tom cruise in it tom cruise uh, yeah. uh rock something, something oh something. yes yes i remember that that yeah that came out recently that was terrible that was, it was it was dumb I would yeah, say that. it was dumb. That, it was that, rock that that's what it was. No, uh, no, dumb, a, silly, this fella, but this fella Clint Eastwood did one recently as well. Um, Clint uh, Eastwood. It wasn't about um, this boy band or sorry. Yeah, yeah, chorus yeah. group. Right, and uh, you can, can kind of call it a musical, but yeah, uh, um, but yeah, no, the, the musical is something that just difficult to do. Most people stay away from it. It's a product of its time. Um, this guy, this guy is gonna do one re- um, very soon. Um, the the director of um, Whiplash. Uh, yeah, you're gonna do a new one. Um, Damien Chazelle, I think is his name is. Um, Man, rich, boy. <laughs> right? But that's the thing. Okay. I think it's a, I think it's a bad choice to to just try to do the musical. But we'll see how it'll turn out. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, the musical is something that is a bit of a death trap in a sense because once you start, once you go down that road, you have to pull off multiple levels of production to pull it off and make it work. Now. Um, exactly. And that's that's why it's so difficult to pull off because it's something that yeah. You had to do an inordinate amount of design, and today's industry really doesn't count for it. I mean, we, we have an industry where you have all these disastrous comic book movies, which should be a easily, easily, um, you know, you know, home run, home run or six or six if you if you what you know watch cricket. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good one. It should be a easy, easily, um, you know, six out of right. Well, pull it easy, off. easy to, to to pull off, to execute. Right, and yet it it don't get pulled off simply because of just simple bullshit and politics and shenanigans and. So it's so far as for trying to do something that's truly ambitious like a musical, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, that's a bit of a trap. So to see to see this um, to a show like this pull off, um, the only time people anyone who could who can do it is well hip hop. Hip hop is the only people who could kind of pull it off. I mean, yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, continue with your thing. Right. Well, well, good thing that you bring up hip hop. Very good yeah. by the way because um, this one well well this series here to get down compared to um, like the Broadway musicals and you know. Um, other genres of music that he kind of focused on in the past. This one focuses on hip hop, or golden age hip hop, actually, I should say, or right. should I say, the roots of hip hop itself. Right. So I'll get into the story there one time. Um, it's set in 1977, South Bronx, in uh, New York, okay. and it's just you know basically just run down this um, this run down borough in New York, you know. And at that time, there were people you know really complaining about what's going on, you know, trying to do what they can to really fix things. But at the same time, they were more focused on the youth and, you know, trying to keep them safe and not, you know, having them do illegal stuff. So, of course, well, if, you, if you're familiar with New York at the time, you know, there were a lot of cases with graffiti. And out of that, you know, they grew that whole graffiti artist movement. You know, a lot of um, youngsters sneaked into, um, into train yards and whatnot and, you know, did their own tags on the actual trains themselves. So as soon as the, the trains themselves started moving in the daytime, you know, you would see all these tags there. And of course, a lot of people didn't like that. They complained about it. Yeah. And then at the same time, too, there were all these block parties that were taking place. You know, um, a lot of DJs came out. They got their little turntables and stuff. 
you know really putting out music out there you know getting people to to come out and dance and have fun as opposed to you know gang banging and just doing all kind of crazy shit you know right but at the same time while all this is going on this was at the the boom of the of the disco movement so one thing i like about this this series well uh, before i get to what the story is about is how they showed that com- that comparison and contrast with early hip-hop music and disco so right. for those who don't know um well hip-hop really started like like i said from those block parties you know um just the dj being there and they would do something called they will select what is called a break which is a musical section of uh otherwise vocal song so let's just say they take like a disco track for example right and they would pick like a one like one section where it has music and they just keep looping it looping it and it just creates this kind of beat that seems to be going on you know and it's just getting the audience getting the crowd to dance and stuff then the same time now that dj would have his own crew so that's just gonna be in the back dancing or just handing out records for the dj they're gonna go and you know grab the mic and command the crowd they are the mcs you know master ceremonies and that's that's what the job was about but at the same time like i said while that's going on um on the more i don't want to say on the less impoverished um sections of new york you had this disco movement going on so you had all these clubs you know studio 54 and all these places here just basically playing these songs and um there's there's one scene from a particular episode i'm not going to see which episode this that kind of brilliantly breaks down the possibility of a song a disco song making it big the right. actually kind of stated that one in six disco records actually gets played and not like they they go to the radio stations and ask them well not like the producers actually go to the radio stations and beg them but sometimes they try but it usually doesn't work but it really all boils down to who owns the club who's running the club they're the ones who call the shots they listen to it beforehand and if they like it then they have something called a, like a, a basically it's just this 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 um this kind of meeting where all the djs kind of come together and just listen to new tracks and then they they are the ones who call the shots they're the one who decide okay this is gonna this is gonna get people moving in the club we're gonna play that so that yeah. was amazing to me i just thought that literally any disco song <laughs> that came out at the time once it's kind of had the same kind of tempo same beat catchy uh hook or whatever i thought those were the ones that you know could get easy airplay i didn't know it was all that you know difficulty and at right. the same time too they kind of touch on the the kind of um you know the the whole studio shadiness that goes down with it you know just getting your music out there what do you have to do how much how, how uh, you know basically if you have to stab somebody's back basically to get your music out there right and, you know what you're gonna sing about and you know all that kind of stuff that we've seen before in in other movies but basically the story is centered on um, a guy called ezekiel figaro right he's part black uh, part puerto rican he lives in the bronx he lives with his aunt and um, stepfather and basically he's he's poor as well too he hangs out with a group of friends one of which actually is played by jaden smith right yeah and um he plays marcus was nicknamed dizzy yeah, I heard about him because it's like, oh, you're actually getting a role that's not ridiculous. And, yeah. you know, right. Right. And he is a graffiti artist as well, too. So his tag name is Rumi. R-U-M-I. So, but what I like about, about um, Rumi's character, well, that's kind of straight off from it. <laughs> he is like the most kind of like the artistic of, of the group. So I don't want to describe him as a, as a hippie. 
but he kind of talks in this sort of heightened sense of mind, you know. He's, right. He, he kind of looks deeper into everything and, you know, he kind of talking about, you know, aliens and stuff. So right. one of his um, characters that he draws is an alien with a top hat. He's always talking about, you know, when will the alien be exposed, when the alien will be free, when you'll right. get to, to, to fly off to the stars and all that kind that, of stuff. That, yeah, okay, that sounds like... <laughs> That sounds like the real Jaden Smith. Uh, exactly, yeah. yeah that okay. one get me is like, if, this is the familiar with Jaden Smith's Twitter. If you're familiar with Jaden Smith's Twitter, it's like the most ridiculous stuff. I don't know if he's still on it. but Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know either. But yeah, he does all this ridiculous, he talks all these ridiculous, he puts all these ridiculous memes, sorry, on Twitter. So it kind of feels like the right fit for him. It's just him with that yeah. afro just kind of talking all this existential, extraterrestrial kind of stuff. Yeah. Right, so anyway, um, Ezekiel actually is played by Justice Smith. And for, yes, for a split second, I actually thought that Jaden and Justice were actually brothers, but no, they're not. He just happens to have the same Sunni, but whatever, right? So, um, Ezekiel is in love with this girl, with this um, Hispanic girl named uh, Mylene Cruz, who's played by uh, Harrison F. Godoya. Uh, forgive me if I got the surname wrong. Very attractive girl, um, by the way. <laughs> Right, mm-hmm. so her talent is singing. Um, she wants to become uh, a singer, basically. She wants to have her own record, have her own name, you know. And her two friends, well, one black and one Hispanic, always, uh, always like encouraging her. There's these little moments where they always like um, listening to music and singing and dancing. So, yes, that's when they kind of bring in a bit of the musical style into this series here. Right. But um, I don't want to talk about cliches yet, but yes, Mylene has this uh, uber-religious father, played by Giancarlo Esposito, if you remember right. from Breaking Bad, of course, famously from Do The Writing. I don't know why this half-black, half-Italian guy always gets to play this Hispanic character. You know, He did that in Breaking Bad, too. He's like, dude, you're not Hispanic. But anyway, he plays it off well. So yes, he's, the, he's a pastor at this church, and of course, he doesn't like the fact that you know his his uh, his daughter's listening to disco music. He thinks disco music is evil and it's, you know, it's devil music and all that kind of stuff. So yes, he is like totally against her um, actually making a record or actually going out, leaving the home to pursue a career in singing. So basically, um, Ezekiel is in love with Mylene, but you know Mylene isn't too serious about him because she feels that you know he isn't that serious about his life. He just likes to waste time with his friends you know smoke weed get into trouble and whatnot and she you know she wants somebody who has a goal who has dreams and who's willing to be responsible to work towards those dreams right right so we bring in another character um named shaolin fantastic best character hands down in the whole show he's played by um shamik moore i know i've seen him before in a couple of other shows but i can't remember but um all right but if, okay, well, the, the, the character of Shaolin Fantastic, he, basically, he's a hustler. And at the same time, he's a kind of up-and-coming DJ as well, too. And his mentor, believe it or not, is Grandmaster Flash. For those who don't know, Grandmaster Flash is arguably one of the most influential figures in hip-hop music. Yeah. He kind of, you know, started the sound of hip-hop, basically, through those block parties. And, you know, he... he he mastered the art of scratching and stuff. And there's also this great scene where he is teaching um, Shaolin Fantastic how to do scratching. And just how he kind of shows it is just so, like, it, it looks so easy, but it's, it's just the way how it's done. It kind of makes you want to buy your own turntable and just kind of practice it yourself too. It's just so awesome. 
And the, the funny thing about like I, like I didn't know that Grandmaster Flash was gonna be in this show, but you know, as I saw him and how Shaolin Fantastic was introduced and you know, clearly by the name Shaolin Fantastic. You know, it's like, oh that's why that's where the whole Grandmaster comes in. Right. Yes, they are influenced by martial art films. You know, especially at that time during the seventies, martial arts movies were big. And especially like in the you know, in New York in those ghetto areas, you know, um I believe it was Channel Five that was the station that had those shows at that time. You yeah. know, just seeing a non white character be this large than life hero, you know, like Bruce Lee. There's a lot of references to Bruce Lee movies and stuff. So, right. you know, and just that camaraderie between, you know, the monks and all that. So when I actually saw that character of Grandmaster, I'm like, oh, well, that's why it's called Grandmaster. Oh, okay. Now that makes sense because he now is like the mentor. He is the abbot. He is the, the sensei, basically, to Shaolin Fantastic. He teaches him everything he needs to know about, you know, DJing and stuff. But he kind of trusts this guy to figure things out on his own, to figure out his life. That's like one of the main themes in the show, just really trying to figure out you know what you want to do in life regardless of where you're from you know so the character of Sheldon fantastic um apart from like i say apart from being this dj he's also a hustler as well too he works for this um this gangster basically who owns this nightclub it's a guy well him and his mother basically run this club and you know they are these no nonsense characters as well too they're always selling drugs and stuff but you know if you if you um you know step out of line they won't hesitate to pull a gun and you know shoot you that's that's how real they are and then they bring in this um the street gang as well too uh i forgot the name of the the, the gang but it you know if, if you're familiar with movies like the warriors for example yeah you know where they always have that that type of leather shirt with the logo in the back <laughs> you know you have characters just like that and they're, they're basically these youngsters and they kind of hinted it through the, the, um, the series that they are hired by certain um, investors to go and burn apartment buildings down, you know. So, you know, so people will be left out of homes and then they could just kind of buy out the land and sell it at a higher price. So you really see, like, how, you know, um, the people in this ghetto are being influenced by politics, being influenced by music as well, too, you know. And um, finally, we have uh, Jimmy Smith's. I remember we mentioned him last time with our um, Suicide Squad review. Yeah, yeah and Star Wars, right. So he plays Francisco Cruz. He's this political right. boss. And basically, he's just trying to ensure that, you know, everyone in the South Bronx gets um, proper housing. So he's defending the black and the, and the brown. That's what he, that's that's his um, his mission, basically. And his niece, actually, is, is Mylene. So he kind of supports her in her mission to become the singer. You know, and of course we have um, Ezekiel, you know, trying to um, to get with her. But um, at the same time, no, he, well, I'm not going to say how they kind of run into each other. But he and Sheldon Fantastic run into each other. They form this this friendship. Well, um, Ezekiel and his friends form this friendship with Sheldon Fantastic. They get introduced into the world of, um, you know, this early, you know, the early developing hip-hop world. And, you know, they form their own crew, which is called the Get Down Crew. So Sean right. Fantastic is on um, behind is he is he the DJ basically, and everybody else is kind of like you know they they are the MCs performing and stuff, and you know there's all these little side stories as well too basically like you know will Mylene get that record, um, you know will will um, will the bad guys get at Ezekiel because yes this is whole thing where the bad guys are trying to get at um Ezekiel and also at Sean Fantastic and all these little subplots that take place in this overall 
six episode series. And yes, I say six episodes because um, I believe we were supposed to get 12, but okay. Netflix kind of came up with this. I don't want to say it was a, a great idea, but oh gosh. <laughs> where they're only going to give us six episodes in um, in 2016, and the other six we have to wait till next year. Okay. So I, I don't know, like at the end of the six episodes, I was like, oh my goodness, why do I have to wait till then? Because right. my goodness, I had so much of fun with this show from start mm-hmm. to end, tons and tons of fun. It has that that Baz Luhrmann style, especially in the first episode, which, like I was reading up a few reviews of it, um, was the least well received, and that's well mainly because, yes, it is directed by Baz. That's the only di- um, episode directed by him, but the way it's done, it's literally an hour and a half in length. Because no, these these episodes technically run for like about uh, roughly fifty to about fifty eight minutes long, but right. this one in particular, the intro episode runs at an hour and a half and it has the typical Baz Luhrmann you know his his approach to the story which is you know it has this kind of like musical kind of approach so there's lots of crane shots being used lots of um, stylistic you know shots great cinematography as well too lots of you know popping colors and stuff and of course you have your little musical numbers thrown in here and there but overall this is not a musical yes it is about disco and hip-hop and how you know they influence society and how society was influenced by those two musical styles but it's not like a musical where characters just suddenly stop and you know just break out into song this is not rock of ages or footloose or anything like that you know but you do get musical numbers like i said that so in the first episode in particular where we're inside the um the villains club well actually the villain's name is kalak i don't remember the name of him so we're inside this club called le inferno which I guess is a reference to, you know, the classic disco song, Disco Inferno. Kids ask their parents. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, there's, um, how to say, if, if you're familiar with movies like, say, Saturday Night Fever, you know, where you always have, like, the dance number, you always have the song playing and everybody kind of comes on, on onto the dance floor and, you know, dance in time to the beat, same style of dance and all that kind of thing. It's there. Um, and then you have the story going on as well, too. And then you have that, that style of editing. And I'm going back to uh, to West Side Story. Basically, you, you have you, so you have seen West Side Story, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're you're familiar with uh, with a moment where all right, let's paraphrase in here, where uh, Maria, uh, right, where Maria is about to do something, and then you have the other guy, the, the Romeo character, about to do yeah. something else as well too. I know the and then you have something else going on as well too. I think it's with yeah. the gang about to rumble. Yeah, so it's parallel. Three things going on. It's, yeah, it's all parallel, parallel editing. Yeah. Yeah. So they do that a lot in this series. So right. if it's not like a, a non-diegetic song playing in the background, it could be a diegetic song. It could be like a particular theme going on. So you have like three different characters. The same thing is going on. Same overall motif or whatever going on. They just keep cutting back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And right. Hands down, I love the editing. This editing is well done. It really kind of harkens back to that old school musical style. You know, musical movies as well, too. Um, the performances, for the most part, are great. Um, Justice, Justice Smith is really, you know, convincing. I like his characters of, of um, Ezekiel. You know, uh, he kind of comes off as gullible at times. You know, he wants to do the writing. But, you know, he because he knows so much about the streets and stuff, you know, he has this kind of hand sense of right and wrong. But at the same time, you know, he, he needs guidance. He needs someone to push him along. And sometimes he just needs like a little cussing out or somebody to kind of, 
you know, slap him back into reality and let him know, you know, you, you can't be doing this. You can't be acting like a little kid. A little kid. You have to be a man. You have to grow up. You have to do things. So it's right. that kind of coming of age thing that, you know, is prominent in this um, story as well, too. Um, Gene Smith, for the most part, was... I, I, I didn't have any complaints with his character. I thought it was decent. There were a few cringe-worthy lines from him. Right. But, you know, the way how he delivers is kind of like... Uh, yeah, that, that didn't work. Cut to the next scene. And then he actually cut to the next scene. But I felt it worked with his kind of spaced out character of um of Rumi. No, this show this show remind me of uh you know, it had a show on HBO called Vinyl that came out the other day. It got cancelled. Right. I was I was about to mention vinyl as well too. Right. Uh, I believe vinyl is set in the seventies as well. Right. And yeah, it only lasted one season, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so but yeah, it's is set around that time, but I believe vinyl is more about the the industry, the music industry at the time, and how they were putting out music at that time. I believe so. But right. in this case, with this show, like I said, it's more about the, the community, the society, and how music was being, how they were influenced by music, and how music kind of influences their daily their daily lives as well, too. Uh, what else? The music is great as well, too. There's lots of um, old-school disco hits, and, of course, some um, classic hip-hop breaks, if, if you're familiar with, like, you know, uh, hip-hop sampling, you know, the the sort of disco and funk records that were being sampled and used in many, 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 many hip-hop songs, then you will hear, like, a familiar beat or two playing in the background as well. Right. Um, what else so do they, they, they use, uh, like, okay, so one of the more famous uh, history of hip-hop uh-huh. is known as the Amen Brick. Um, you have any like any specific task or dialogue about that, or do you just go and talk about stuff? The arm and break. Can you can you kind of um... uh look up? Oh, so there's a lot. No, of, uh, I probably knew it. I probably knew it. If if, if yeah, I hear yeah, it, I'll know it. You hear it? You hear it in a ton of songs. And this guy called um, "Everything Is a Remix." I think covered it. Um, if you could find that video, uh, basically you just you ever hear that is basically the song. Um, and it's it's a sample it's sampled in almost every version of thing uh, every hip hop song, like a ton. <laughs> All right, you, if um you could you could kind of give my example. Oh boy, um, <laughs> just one example. This one. Nas, I'll um, Which one? Uh, and I'll I get can? to Nas in a bit. I can. Right, that. Yeah, um, but there are a couple of. All right, when I say, like, those samples, I'm talking about, like, all right, like, if if you do some serious, serious digging online, you will find um, this DVD. It's called the NYC Live pa- um, Throwdown Party, right? right? And it's all these different parties that were, uh, that were being done during, I think it's from 1977 to about the early 80s. And people actually used to record those 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 um those live parties, and there's actually um one subplot in this series where you have this bootlegger. So there's this guy who comes with this machine, and he's recording Cool Hook. Yes, Cool Hook is actually in the show. If you don't know who Cool Hook is, he's another influential figure in the world of hip hop. Um, actually, I could argue and say he is the one who pretty much invented hip hop music. Right. Yeah. So there is this character who goes around with this music, uh, with this with this device, and is recording, you know, his parties onto this tape. So he comes back as soon as side A is done, flips over, records on side B, leaves the party, and then basically goes outside and sells them outside of his car. You know, so that, that was really interesting how they kind of show that. 
So I'm kind of wondering if those songs that are on that 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 um that live party DVD <laughs> is a result of you know bootlegging. I don't know. I can't really say for sure. But you know, if you do get a chance, Ricardo, I highly suggest you you look for it. Okay. Or I mean, you can find some of them on YouTube. You know, just some of those examples of those parties. They just run for like about a little 40, 50 minutes, and then you know they cut to the next one, basically. Right. But yeah, right. you could get a sense of you know how those how those parties worked where you had the dj that was just you know he, he found the breaks he was playing the breaks and you have the mcs coming in and of course they they, they had their their lines rehearsed so it's just kind of like getting the, the the crowd hyped up and just rhyme after rhyme after rhyme just basically going from one beat to the next you know and i love how the how this series brilliantly um kind of captures that vibe you know um also on the subject of nas Believe it, yeah, he is he is um the exec he is one of the executive producers of this show as well too. Right. Yeah. Um and one thing that he did kinda cleverly in this show is that in a way he is like the narrator of the of this um of the series. Really? So yeah. it's his it's his voice actually? Yeah, well what they do, well okay. they, they kind of in the first episode they started like that, where we cut to Madison Square Garden and then we have this rap performance taking place. I don't know why. Like every time I saw that, I was just thinking about um, Jeezy's so-called final performance at the Madison Square Garden, right? Um, 2040 encore thing. Encore oh, was yeah, the yeah. encore? Was the the black album thing that he did? It was right? it was a black album thing, but they did instead of um, doing a proper video for encore, which in my opinion is one of the best tracks on that album. Yes, uh, hands down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what happens that they just end up filming this thing as a kind of go away a kind of send away kind of thing and i mean it makes sense because the track is called on coin anyway, yeah, so. yeah all right cool and it has the audience and stuff in the background right. and stuff yeah. it's right. i i still love the song but that video was shit good god I was <laughs> it, like, it, it could have been better it could have been yeah better, yeah you could have edited that better like like this cheesy, just so, you know so amateur yeah. really i remember that just being so terrible whoever right so getting back to the show now so yeah. um right so slight spoiler alert ezekiel is actually the guy on stage so he is a rapper on stage, basically rapping about his life story. So right. every episode, well, not every episode, but they kind of work in a song in every episode. And right. it's kind of like him just performing at a, in, in, in front of that audience on that particular night. And if you're familiar with Nasus music, yes, he's from Queensbridge, but, you know, it's all about him being this East Coast MC. He loves right. to sing about his youth. He, he likes to talk about... You know, being influenced by, you know, the early beginnings of rap music and, you know, right. um, being influenced by Grandmaster Flash and all those people, Grandmaster Kaz, characters right. like that. So, Ezekiel plays that that kind of role where he's talking about his life, how hard it was in, South, in the South Bronx and how he was influenced by Sean Fantastic, how, you know, he brought him on his wing, taught him all we need to know and then he kind of realized, this is what I want to be. And, oh gosh, I... I kind of forgot to mention that Ezekiel is very, very deep into poetry as well, too. Almost to the point that he, he he's almost kind of embarrassed to kind of uh, admit it. There's this moment where he's in school and um, his teacher is aware that he is very good in, in poetry. But because right. of that sort of um, attitude where, you know, you're doing this poetry thing and it's all about impressing girls, it kind of makes you appear soft and weak. So yeah. he kind of doesn't uh, apart from his his friends that part of the get down crew he doesn't like to tell people that you know he's um he's doing poetry they uh in one scene they actually call him the f word you know just blatantly just so because oh um he just wrote this poem 
and the poem really, well is this really really heartbreaking um poem about you know the fact that his parents died right, uh, yeah. while he was growing up as well too and this uh well uh, well the the father was shot i know it's just this really heartbreaking tale about how bad life is in the ghetto and you know is there any hope for him yeah and i like how they play with well, they kind of touch on that team as well to getting out of the ghetto right so yeah, with Ezekiel, right. yeah with ezekiel it's all about should i do rap or should i just you know should i just do like a normal job and maybe i could get out of there and you know start over and you know get a new life and then in case of Marlene, now it's all about you know should i make that record can i get out there can i you know be this big singer and you know move out to the hood as well too or am right. i always going to be tied down by my parents who just don't believe in me that kind of thing right right um what else to mention yes the the music is is fantastic as well too i love the you know the editing the acting is great if i could i mean if the, it, but it's 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 not a perfect show to say the least and reason being is because some of the the actual um subplots some of the character acts tend to meander a bit so at times it's kind of like okay is this just going to be some kind of dramatic thing about um Mylene trying to make it big in the music biz was it about Ezekiel trying to make it big in the hip-hop world or trying to make his name there but you know it, it didn't really bother me as much because I was having so much fun watching the show it's just that kind of like when you kind of when, when it all ends and you're thinking about it, it's like you know this could have been a little bit tighter you could have yeah. cut to that point a little bit faster instead of just kind of dragging things along you know and um, there are a few narrative threads that I felt that they could have tied up even though this is six episodes and you know it's just half of the first season but i just wish that you know they kind of they could have just kind of tied it up at least to you know to give the this the this section of this series a sense of closure but instead they, they kind of just left open so you have to yeah. kind of wait till next year unfortunately and I, I hope i don't have to wait till um all, <laughs> next year august to see what happens next you know but Overall, for what they were going for, I thought this this, this was a great series. Um, I like the fact that it wasn't like this overblown musical. It wasn't too much style over substance. It does tend to kind of waver every once in a while. So, you know, it's sometimes it's more style than substance and sometimes more substance than style. But because of the whole fun vibe, because of the whole retro vibe and just that energy and that's another thing I forgot to mention too. I love the energy that they put into this. I love the the, the care that they put into this you could tell that bars and this team really love hip-hop music they really wanted to capture that time and right. love disco as well too you know so you got a sense of both worlds um ezekiel is a very compelling character very compelling protagonist you're really rooted for this guy you really want to see this guy win as well you know same thing goes for mining as well too you like her and not just because she's attractive but <laughs> Yeah. You know, you, you you really want to see these characters win. You want to see them get out of the hood. But of course, you have the antagonist. You have like Cadillac. You have Mylene's dad, you know, um, you know who's, who, you know, the, the Bible-thumping preacher who, who believes, like I said, that, you know, disco is devil music and all that kind of stuff. You have all these obstacles and, you know, you could kind of relate to that in some way, shape or form. I give this a decent four to five stars. Nice. Definitely worth checking out. Right. it's just the one thing it's just six episodes and just that one episode had to be hour and a half it really didn't need to be but i would make the the, the argument that because it's bars directing that one particular episode they need to feel like a movie needed to feel cinematic you know right. but other than that highly recommend it 
if you're a huge fan of hip-hop especially golden age hip-hop i strongly recommend you check it out if you're not too familiar with that style of music and you'd like to know more about it strongly suggest you check that out and then you know probably go online and you know just read up more about that style of music you know listen go on youtube check out some of those 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 block parties you know the audio that was recorded at that time and just really familiarize yourself with you know that that style of music and i also and also just just inclusion i would actually recommend that you know whoever's watching this 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 series to, um, that you should do that as well too because you know you could say what you want about rap music and how commercial and you know mainstream has gotten but just really understanding how it started from the beginning just from simply getting two records and finding a piece of music and just scratching back and forth and just getting a guy with a microphone and going on stage and just rhyming you know all these simple beginnings and look at what it you know look 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 look, look at what came out of that basically right yeah it's just really amazing and because i love <laughs> hip-hop well, music so much i don't know i just gravitated to that easily just right. well, that, it would go well it is the case not now because we could say kendrick uh you could say the greatness like somebody like kendrick lamar but then you could say future <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah your boy <laughs> yeah, no? yeah but like i say four to five stars highly recommend it definitely check it out oh well, excellent right. excellent so I'll, I'll give it I, yeah no no definitely do. it's just like i said give us the whole 12 episodes man or 13 or whatever but yeah to finish off this series, the six yeah. thing i mean i mean it ends the way how it, it how it should end i like how it ends on that six episode oh yeah right. you will love this the final episode for this one awesome right. but you, you just kind of left out of it wanting more and that's that's a great thing actually you right know, when, all, when all is said and done so i can't wait to see what they bring with the second half of um of the get down i hope it doesn't end in tragedy like moulin rouge and i right. hope that we get more episodes of this sorry more seasons out of this because yeah netflix you want to sign with this one by by far yeah so like i said one more time definitely check it out okay Lovely. all right so moving along yeah right, so while so i catch my breath whew. yeah let's Let's take a dip. Let's take a dip in quality. <laughs> yes, take a dip in quality. A uh, dip in quality. <laughs> of, of, so we go from the excellent, excellent rundown to we're going to go for <laughs> to the utterly forgettable and mediocre and unnecessary uh, and totally unnecessary. Yeah. Ben Hur remake. Um, yes. Which, okay. Which, which, by the way, well, okay, I'm reading this off of Wikipedia right now. So this is the fil- the fifth film adaptation of the novel Ben Hur: A Tale of the Christ by lou wallace yeah um and it's following the 1907 silent film 1925 yeah, yeah. silent film yeah it have the two silent films 1950, uh, yeah the 1959 film which won a ton of awards i think it won about that, 12 or 13. right that's the classic i'm familiar with yes, the classic um i know there was a uh there was one that came out in the 2000s don't and remember there was that also a, a, a animated film that came out in 2003 Right. No, I haven't seen the, the, the early 2001. I, I just yeah, me neither. first knew about that. Right. And yes, now we have this version here. Yeah. Here's the thing. It have a couple of people in this I liked. So I, I kind of like Toby Kebbell, kind of, even though he tend to be in a bunch of bad movies. And he real ham it up in this. <laughs> and, and of course, I like Morgan Freeman. Of who course, yeah. Didn't need to be in this, but whatever. Yeah. Um, it, maybe, it, but, but you want to just get like a brief rundown as to what right. this so the story is, is about? Yeah, no, it's, it's it's roughly the same story as the last uh, the nineteen fifty nine film. They don't really change much. I don't think I don't remember any big like massive changes from the original source material. But basically, it's the same story of character Judah Ben Hur mm-hmm. uh, is betrayed by his brother. Um, he's this wealthy Jewish guy. 
gets well, taken not, from not, not, blo- not blood brother of course not blood brother like no it's his adopted brother, brother but the adopted brother more embraced the roman empire over the jewish thing and there's a whole set of politics and uh right and a set of politics at the time and whatnot and then basically you are sold into slavery and it's right, basically right. a big a big revenge story and, yes. and then end, of course we have the the chariot race right which big was chariot excellent race. in yeah. the 1959 movie guys right. if you haven't seen it yeah why? Yes, he, he has the first fucking problem with this movie. Yes, hit me. The, 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 okay, so a lot of Christian movies in recent years, a couple years back, has been actually surprisingly quite good. Um, you have um, The Good Lie, if I remember correctly. That was a, about African thing. It had the one with the, um, oh, what was the one? Risen? Yeah, um, Risen came out this year, actually. Right, yeah, that was recent. Yeah, that's, I remember that. that was actually, and, and, and actually had a really good concept, the, the, you know, um, Right, yeah, find body you disappeared and right. the Romans thought that, well, I don't know if they thought that it was stolen or if they right. realized that he, that he, um, that he, they did, re- that he was, re- that he did resurrect and right. they were looking for the body, right? Right, that's the yeah. point of the story, that this fellow had to kind of prove the case against <laughs> uh, the resurrection and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, no, but the, the, I uh, actually um, liked Risen. I thought Risen wasn't half bad. Risen was mediocre, but it was still, like, for a Jesus movie, it was good. Yeah. So usually these movies just the sad part is that people like Kurt Cameron just completely take over the, the entire franchise. Oh, so you end up having just these garbage movies. Yeah. Uh, See, and as Christmas. I said, <laughs> I could go off on a tangent about yeah. what is me, what I think um, religious movies should do, but whatever. Yeah, but um, uh, oh yes, this one I forgot to mention. It's not really about Christ, but um, Noah, which right. I actually enjo- I, I actually liked. I I, I like that. Right, but Noah is a different approach to it. Yeah. Right, Noah is a different beast entirely because. They decide to go this kind of weird Gnostic route with the with the material now. Yeah, but uh, I'll, I'll just make this quick little argument about that. Uh, right. So, like, yes, I know a lot of Christian uh, Christians didn't like how they changed certain things, and one thing they didn't like is how, like, Russell Crowe said in the interview that, you know, Noah was this dark character, and, you know, maybe right. he, he, he wasn't all that good and stuff like that. I like how this, it, the way I would describe Noah it's kind of like um like how uh say like a Harry Potter novel is, you take right. the source material and you change it up for Hollywood. But you know right. you have the diehard fans that will say that's not how it would. That's not what happened. But right. is the overall message there? Yes or no? And that's what I felt was strong well, about. Okay, so Noah. yeah, that's it. That's the thing. Okay, so if I remember correctly, Noah's based on a French comic. Uh, oh, it was. So that, that is where the the, the change. If I remember correctly, that's what it's supposed to be based on. Okay, I thought that was it, like Darren's take on. No, the... no, no, it's not his take. I think it was it was uh, largely influenced by this French comic. You could find it called Noé. Um, okay, I didn't he, know that. All right, right. If, uh, yeah, I, it, it, I have to check that up. I think that's what I remember correctly. That's what I remember. Anyway, and the whole chain, the whole idea of well, Noah. The thing is, Noah has to be a dark character because he letting millions of people die. That is, yeah. <laughs> no matter if if all those millions of people were shitty people. Or according to the story, at least, um, yeah, millions dude, of people dude, died. Just the thought of that trend is exactly. Dark. So that that alone is a very very dark idea. So whatever. But the point is, um, as I say, it's a different beast entirely because you're not really quote unquote following the canonical approach to Christianity and it's what to do with that interpretation stuff now. But that's so. In the case of Ben Hur, Ben Hur does a good job with, with telling that story about you know Judah Ben Hur and they reference Jesus in it. Um, they get uh, this the, the guy was the. <laughs> The guy who was, um, remember the guy who in, in 300, the villain? I forget yeah, his name. Yeah, Xerxes. 
Right. Yeah, uh, Rodrigo Santana. Right. Yeah, yeah San, I think he, he played. Santino, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think he played Jesus in this. Uh, he yes, was looking, yes, yes. I was watching the face. I was like, oh, is that the same guy from 300? All right, cool. And yeah, the thing is that the but, original. But, um, but how did he play it? Did he. It was all right. Okay. Um, it, was, it wasn't like particularly interesting. Here's the problem in this movie. The movie spent a ton of money on stuff, and they clearly spent all the money on the actors, because everything else <laughs> looked everything else looked terrible. Um, just some simple set design, costume design looked cheap and shitty. Um, the, the, all the way all the way all the stuff was shot was cheap and shitty. So you're like sometimes you're watching the cameras like, wait, there's a GoPro to use for this, and like especially with the chariot race, I'm like, jeez, boy, this is looking rubbish, dread. Hmm. And yeah. It, it, Everything was half ass. Toby Kebbell was hamming it up, but it's, it's Toby Kebbell is a person I happen to like, even though he is <laughs> the movies I see him in that I like. But he was like, he was Warcraft, he was Warcraft, he's a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, Toby, Toby Kebbell was just an over the top ridiculous person. And then the, the guy they got for Ben, who is like, yeah, you need a, 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 a larger than life character for that. I still can't remember what the actor's name is. I have to look it up. And Jack, I forget Jack, what. Is, is his name is Jack Houston. Here's the thing, right. Here's the thing. I, I had to look that up like while he was talking about uh recently in, in the rundown when he was talking about that. I, I just did a quick run through to look it up and I forget get it. Down, I, get down. <laughs> yeah, get down, sorry. I while he was talking about it, uh I forgot in that five minutes he was talking about it. That is how forgettable this dude is. Yeah. This good, and, and you know, like, I, I I now realize that his his grandfather was actually John Houston. Like that is why I studied John Houston. Like, holy shit, look at that. That is why I studied. I was like, wait, this man's supposed to be Hollywood royalty and he's so forgettable and shitty. He's like, nah, I, I don't put him in the, in the camp of these shitty Australian actors <laughs> that they try to force on people. He got it. And he got it. I, I know he has a TV role. Well, he, he, he's, he's British, actually. Um, right. Um, now reading up, he was Richard Harrow in Board, Boardwalk Empire. Right. If you remember that's that guy, was, yeah. And I, that's the thing I was Manus, like, I was like yeah. oh, yeah, is that guy from Boardwalk Empire? He was in that too. And I completely forget this man's face. The man is so forgettable in this movie. Um, and uh, which is funny because Bordeaux Empire, that, that character was always about his face and that right. mask thing that he had on. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh. oh, well, Morgan Freeman was, was utterly pointless in this. It could have been anybody, but whatever. Um, it was, it's, you know, it's, it's a paycheck. Okay. So I yeah, you know? And it was just him being the African, basically. Um, yeah, because we just needed one. No offense. And I think and I think my biggest problem is that they just totally missed the point of why the original film worked. Um, and they just said, oh, we need to make this just on sheer name only. And the movie is just a sort of bullshit. Sorry. Dude, like, this... no, like, like the trailer alone was just selling yeah. set yeah. pieces. It was That's... selling the, the slavery scenes and the ships. And then, of course, right. the chariot race. And the, the movie is way, not that... about, the story is not about the chariot race. That's right. the climax of the story. But movie I, is not yeah, about chariot races. Come on, yeah, miss the point. Is, yeah, this big um, like that is big, big selling point about well in the um in the ruin part where it's the boat and you see this first person sequence looking like a video game. Um, I don't know. This movie was. I don't give this a. Re- I'm gonna rate it one time because I just yeah, don't want to yeah, talk. Yeah, about, yeah, quick, quick. I don't want to talk about it. But yeah, you know, you see how short we have a review of this because it's a it's a real quick short review. Movie was garbage. Sorry. Um, I give this a low CC8, if not a globe. Um. This just completely waste my time. And yeah. it was so you know, you know, it's one thing that you have a movie that bad but you can remember it being bad. I almost immediately forgot every that it, I watched this movie and I had to just go and pay some bills or something like that and I forgot that I saw the movie. Like holy shit, it's only when coming back to watching the coming to do this review now. I'm like, oh yeah, I watched this movie, I went to see this. I know I spent I know two hours of my time didn't go missing immediately. <laughs> You know, I didn't black out drunk. No, it, it was really, it was really bad, and that is the greatest sin of this film. If you're doing a bad film, I have to remember at least remember 
um, at least get me to remember that it was a bad film. At least Batman v Superman did that. Yeah, it was, it was bad, but there were things that you remember. Right. At least I, I remember never watching it. <laughs> I remember watching it. This was a waste of my fucking time. Um, do, <sighs> not go, do not go see this movie. Don't just skip it. Total nonsense. Um, doesn't hold up to the 1959 classic. Go watch of back that. Sir. Of course, sir. Like, I, I, I would petition. I would, I would, I would rather petition IMAX to just show back the 1959 version. I'll go, I'll go pay and watch that in IMAX over watching this. This was utterly pointless. No, no, I, I, as you bring up that, I have a question. What if they re released the 1959 version in 3D? Would you go? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, totally. Like, if they do something like that and I could totally and they make it work and they make the 3D like workable in terms of the storytelling and, and for its purposes, yeah, totally go and see that. This movie, um, yeah, don't waste your time to see this. Um, you know, piss them off about this too, is that they clearly do it for like the, the money, amount of money that was clearly spent on this. Because the movie is very expensive. It's like one of the most expensive movies for that that genre. No? And you know, yeah. it's like it's like with horror movies, you know, they, they try to they just get too greedy. You know, horror movies like horror movies, Christian movies is like horror movies in that sense that they will just horror fans will watch everything. And you could go cheap or go expensive, but they'll just watch it and, and rate it the same way. And they clearly try to cater to a mainstream audience with this one. Yeah, and, clearly, clearly. Look, look at the and, trailer alone. Right. But, but, what, like, but what, what, what's getting me is that I'm warning now, because, I mean, to be fair, Ben-Hur, it's not like the go-to movie to watch on an Easter weekend. It's just, right. well, it's a biblical epic, so you just show it because it's based around that era. Good. But I, I, don't, I don't think, like, you know, Christians are going to be like, well, we need to see this movie, you know, kind of like we were talking with Risen nah. or to extent. No, right. and then you'll come back right. and be like, "Well, you shouldn't watch this movie because of this, and this is not how Ben Hur was." And yeah, da, 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 da. you know, I yeah, I could. Nobody was talking about this. Nobody gave a shit, um, and I didn't give a shit about it. And they, the, the filmmakers didn't seem to give a shit, even though they spent a ton of money on it for some reason. And it again, no, that, that's a shame, though. It's I, a real I shame. A real, at, at least try to to pay as much, you know, try to. To reach that 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 um, level that he that at least yeah. in any fifty one sorry fifty nine movie did, you know really try to raise that bar at least. Right, like, uh, and the sad part know. is that they spent like the special effects wasn't even that good. It, it again it, somebody looked like a video game in my opinion. But it, I was just I was just questioning when it was a bad screen I watched it on, but it's like no special effects actually that bad. Cause I watch it back. I, <laughs> I just watch back a trailer. Just sometimes I watch a trailer, just to get a sense of oh right when you call men. Yeah. Like, oh, I had to watch back the trailer to just get a sense of what the aesthetics was and whatnot. And yeah, waste our time. Yeah, but wait, uh, but wait, but wait, but wait, we, we, we forgetting the main thing. What's the main problem? The chariot race, man. How was that? That's what I'm saying. It barely were talking about the chariot race. had a bunch of bad cuts in it. Again, go back to the 1959 film. The chariot race was well shot. Yes. Really intelligent in terms of how the camera worked. And it yes. didn't have many cuts. That's the smart part. This one had a bunch of cuts. And a bunch of shitty special effects. That's what I was about to talk about. Everything looked crappy. Some was practical, but you cannot tell what was practical and what wasn't. Um, I don't know why it was, but it's oh. like it had a part where you cannot tell. Like they had a bunch of dust in it to try to make it better, but like none of oh, that to make sense. it kind of gritty and more right. Raw. But that okay. didn't make sense, and it was like really stupid. And I think one of the biggest problems because of um, what was his name? Jack Houston. Yeah. I think they needed a bigger actor for him. If they got somebody big, like a Russell Crowe, somebody like that, I think it may have worked. But he was so bland and forgettable. I was like, jeez, boy, forget this, Jared. Look, you know, well, well, good thing you brought up Russell Crowe, because clearly you know they're trying to, to be like Gladiator. And that was the right. well, one thing I was going to ask you about 
Right. Uh, all right. So I'm just going off from the, the trailer alone. That right. last half of the territories. They were just going for this real visceral, really violent, brutal kind of take on the on that territories, right. right? Right. So did it did it work nope. in bullshit. that aspect or it failed? It, no, no. Again, gritty bullshit that didn't that missed the point of the original story. Um it still tell the story and it's like, all right, it's a chariot race, fine. But no no sense of emotional weight with it. All of the again, the chariot race just was the, the, the exclamation point in a great story. So if you don't tell a great story, much like how Transformers is a shit movie because you have good action but you don't care about the story, or Batman v Superman, yeah, a bunch of action but not a shit a shitty story, you don't care. Right. So I didn't care about Jack Houston. Didn't care about him at that point. It's like, okay, fine, you know, I get the story of Ben Hur, but you ought to be like completely ignorant of all the material before to, to like this, I suppose, maybe. And if you're like, you don't know anything about movies, you might like it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I totally like, skip this movie. Seriously, this is a waste of time. And I just kind of annoy just talking about it now. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. We, 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 could, we could move on to something else now. Yeah, like, the, the, this is a colossal waste of time. Jeez, boy. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I glad, I, here's the thing. I'm glad I didn't go to see this in a, in a higher cinema. I went, to, I went in a real shitty cinema to go and see it. So, like, all right, cool. Yeah. Yeah, right. go, see it, go see it in a shitty cinema if at most cheap <laughs> cheap money or see yeah, it at home on cable or whatever. Go, go, go and see it as a birthday, basically, right? Yeah, waste it, waste of time, right. waste of time. So moving well, along, now we're gonna get to the show that I almost put off to go and yeah. see Ben Hur. Yeah. But fortunately, that little voice in my head say, you know what? <laughs> nah, boy, don't do, do fork over that money for 3D. Go and see something a little different. Yeah. And I will kind of say why uh, I picked this movie over Ben Hur. Of course, I'm talking about Hello High Water. Yeah, it's boy. Just, I don't know. It's because, like, right now, you know, August is almost done. The summer blockbuster season is almost done as well, too. And, like, I don't know. Is we I'm, Like, I've just been seeing so much of these big-budget special effects-leading movies, you know, from Suicide Squad to this to that and all these other things, that every once in a while, you know, you just want to see something different. You want to see something that does not rely on a, a, a big budget or a lot of special effects. Right. So I just wanted to get a great story, great characters, right. interesting teams and stuff. Something that I will that that will stick with me. I would be yeah. like, oh, well, you know, flashiness and all that stuff. Yeah. Okay, I get my money's worth. Okay, moving on. Well, what, wait, what was it? What was it I just saw? You know, kind of like when you had been hurt. You saw it, but you forget about it immediately right. afterwards. But this yeah. one really stuck to me course i'm talking about hell or high water yeah but it's directed by david mckenzie who i said is a scottish filmmaker um he made some other films before but this honestly is the first movie i've ever seen from him yeah um it's written it's written by taylor sheridan yeah who wrote sicario which uh we both saw we yeah. had in our top 10 lists of last yeah. year i i i didn't notice um only i was only until i saw the credits after i was like oh shit this is the same guy who did sicario right, that makes sense and oh, i didn't know that i didn't know that i don't know that going into the film okay well in the trailer they don't even say who the director is just say from the writer of sicario That's right all. So i probably i probably forget <laughs> yeah i probably uh probably just missed that part i think i saw part of the trailer and i didn't really watch too much of it okay yeah um it stars Chris Pine, who you may right. know from, you know, the Star Trek reboot movies. Yep, 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 yep. Ben Foster, who recently starred in the underwhelming video game-to-movie adaptation of Warcraft. Right. And everyone's favorite dude, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, boy. From Tron and, I guess, Tron Legacy. Yeah. And, of course, Big Lebowski and some, you know, no, like, other films. Uh, oh, and Obadiah from Iron Man and a bunch yes, of Yes, yes, yes. And Iron Man as well, too. He yeah. played a 
the Slade or what? What was he saying? No, Obadiah, Obadiah Slade. No, Obadiah Steen, right? Yeah. Yes. Here's the thing. Okay, this this for me was simply fantastic. Um, a simple yet powerful story and moral message. Mm-hmm. Um, excellent script with excellent dialogue. <clears throat> but I love the chemistry between everybody, especially between the two brothers and then um, the deputy and his the sheriff. Yeah, that was that would be um, Alberto Parker played by yes. Gil Birmingham. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that back and forth. Love that back and forth. And Jeff Richards here. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, natural chemistry between everybody characters. Uh, Chris Pine was surprisingly good in this. I'll talk didn't about ex- him in a bit, but go on. Yeah, didn't expect him to be so good. He was surprisingly good in this because he did. It wasn't about him. Here's the thing: like I like the movie for its dialogue, but his strength was was when he was not talking, or just yes. just just the emotion in his face and that that, that those bright blue eyes, like jeez, boy, those baby blues do. The man. <laughs> yeah. Just give, just give that, that, just that, that sheer indignation he had on his face, um, with the story. And when you learn what went on in the, in the end of the story, when the, when the entire script was wrapped up, it's like you totally understand where this man was going through, right? And it totally worked. And you totally understand the decisions he made with, with, with the story. Um, Jeff Bridges, we forgot how much of a national treasure he was. He was great in this. Yes, yes, yes. great in this. And yeah, uh, just a damn good script. I just really enjoyed the story. Simple story. Right. Simple. Well, Simple story. No, nothing convoluted about it, but very, very powerful in terms of the moral issue and right. what, the, what the ethics of the situation was. And right. it made it totally work. Um, yeah, we just, I just well, want to talk about details and, and, and the overall. I don't think we'll try too much spoilers. No, 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 no. A couple slight nitpicks I had um, before we get into it, but just a couple slight nitpicks. Some of the world building felt a bit caricatured, but from what I understand, it's not too much a caricature, like in terms of like the text and accents and like some of those characters, some of those characters, those side characters felt a little too much like a, a little too <laughs> fake. Like it's oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, 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 like we're in Texas, so you have to have the, the, right. the, the, the Texans with the right. big cowboy hats. Well, yeah, a little, talk that kind I'll, of say, way, I'll say the characters you know. like, um, some of the side characters, like the first bank teller, that woman in the beginning. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah she, right, right. That, the waitress, yeah. the waitress, who, that was a really funny scene with the waitress with the what you don't, what don't you want? Yeah, what don't you want? <laughs> Yeah, love that was, that was clever, uh, yeah. I, uh, yeah, and then a couple other side characters. But overall, it was like, yeah, that's a lot of that is Texas. A lot of, from what I understand, it, that seems to be the case. It has, it's not over the top. Um, and uh, then a couple things. It had one scene that they could have cut, which is uh, one of the characters had a monologue. I, don't, I won't say who it was. He had a bit of a monologue, and I thought it put this, the central theme of the story a bit on, too on the nose, but it didn't take me out of the movie. But my brain noticed it. Right, right. Um, and then Jeff Bridges' character himself, <laughs> remember Jeff Bridges did um, True Grit, right? Yes. He felt like that character again. <laughs> oh. So it, I, 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 was, I can't really vouch for that because I haven't seen True Grit in like... Um, oh, no, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen that um, in a long while. No, no, the recent one. The recent I, one. I know, I know. I haven't seen right. that in a long while, so I can't okay, remember. Okay, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, it, it was basically that character again. <laughs> Somebody made a joke and I remember saying, and I, I agree with this. Yeah, it felt like a, a descendant of that same character almost. Um, because right. it, was, it was very, very similar. Yeah, but overall, I love this movie. This was, uh, I'll put it on par with Sicario. Not as, not, uh, not as good as Sicario, but I'll, I'll say why it has a trade-off and why this is some ways stronger than Sicario and in other ways why Sicario is stronger than this. Um, but yeah, overall, this, this, this gets a very high rating for me. Uh, Don't rate it just yet. Just, I'm just saying what good about <laughs> okay, it. Okay. Really rated it, but I just really, really love this movie. Didn't yeah. expect to enjoy it so much. Um, great, great character piece. Simple plot. Totally work. Uh, right. All right. Very, very good points you make there. I, I totally yep. agree with them. 
Yeah. So without revealing too much about the the um, story, it involves um, well Chris Pine, sorry Chris Pine, who plays Toby Howard. He's a recently divorced father. Yeah. And Ben Foster as Tanner Howard. He's this ex-con. He was in jail for like uh, I'm not sure how much years he was in, but it was for robbery as well too. Yeah. So they're out, um, and it's basically about them doing what it takes to save their family's uh, farm from flo- uh, from uh, foreclosure. Yeah. So what they do, they, they go out on these uh, like a series of like bank robberies around the West Texas area. So they just keep hitting like one bank. You know, they just go in simple, give me money, and then they just leave. So it's that kind of thing. They try their best not to harm anybody or shoot anybody down, but they could tell like from those particular bank robbery scenes that yeah ben foster is like the wild card he is like the the trigger happy guy like he's the kind of person that if you're not careful and if you kind of push him just a little too close to the edge yeah shit might go down right and chris pine and this is one thing that i really loved about his character he was the more subdued one he was the more focused one trying to get this job done but at the same time and this this is what you were referring to with how his character was and i loved how he played it you could tell that deep down inside something is eaten away from him so while his brother is the more wild crazy one who's always laughing and having fun okay yeah he's kind of enjoying that the thrill of just going in with guns and taking money and just you know leaving the scene the crime before anybody shows up, even even before the police shows up but chris pine is just like all right we're doing this this is our goal but after that that's it we have to move on with our lives we're not gonna do this for the rest of our lives, you know, because you know this is this is not the Wild West anymore, basically. Right. And that's one thing that that really caught me off guard with this show is that, all right, um, the best like I was thinking about a, a proper way to describe the genre of this film. Yeah. So, are you familiar with uh, a term called the revisionist western? Yeah, yeah. Right. That's what I was about to bring yeah. that up. That's so his idea of the modern, yeah. Yeah, um, like a modern take on the, the Western, Western but it's the genre. same it's the same it's the same old moral issues that you have to worry about. Exactly. In terms so, of this kind of right. Yes, yeah, so like in the case of well, um three examples come to mind. Uh first one is called Little Big Man. It starred Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. It's basically basically about this um white man, well this boy who grew up amongst this group of um of Indians. I think they were the Comanche, whatever. And it was centered around the whole Custer's last stand. So there was this really vicious and violent assault on that tribe. Right. And he was just, Dustin Hoffman was just this white guy learning a lot about, you know, uh, about American Indians. And what that show kind of show, um, basically he was trying to address is that, you know, for years, American Indians have been portrayed as these savages just running through and just, you know, raiding villages and whatnot. But they're not like that, you know, and that right. show can address that. Another one is called McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Uh, personal favorite of mine, it stars Warren Betty, Faye Dunaway, Kids Axe Parents. Yeah. And it's just really this whole take on, you know, this this dusty... It wasn't even dusty. It's really like this kind of wet Western town. Because basically, you know, the West, you, you always think it's always, you know, sand and dust. But in this case, it's in the mountains and it's, um you know, it's during the winter so it's really cold it's really bleak it's really like lifeless up in there and just yeah. about these characters just trying to get by you have your little shootout and thing but it's just all based off of circumstances that take place but it's still a western but it doesn't look or feel too much like a western and then the final one one that i know a lot of you are familiar with unforgiven yeah yeah, yeah. um clint eastwood 
Oscar winner back in 1992. Best Picture of the Year. Many people will say Malcolm X should have won, but come on, Unforgiven. Great, 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 great movie. Yeah. And what I like is that they took this this anti-hero, this villainous character, um, this former gunslinger turned pig farmer, and now you have him doing this job as a bounty hunter. But what, what really made it stand out to me is the antagonist, um, played by Gene Hackman, yeah. where one thing just blatantly right off the bat, he doesn't shoot anybody. He doesn't even use guns. He has his bullwhip, you know? And they kind of play it off like, who is the bigger villain here? Is it Gene Hackman for who he is and in this present time? Or is it Clint Eastwood because of all the bad things he did in the past? Yeah. I like how they kind of play off of that. Like, yes, he's an anti-hero, but, you know, it kind of plays off the good guy versus bad guy kind of stuff. So getting back to uh, Hello High Water there for, for a sec. I love how they kind of played on certain conventions with, you know, the Western. Of course, you know, the setting in Texas, you yeah. have these characters. Well, in well, for example, you have uh, Jeff Bridges' character, which is this Texas Ranger, Marcus Hamilton. Yeah. You know, he is the lawgiver. He's the do-gooder. He enjoys his job, you know, and he, there's even a, a point where he mentions to um, his, um, his psychic, Alberto, who I believe is part Mexican and part um, Af- it, American Indian as well, too, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. about not wanting to retire. But then, you know, there's this this team that's going on about, you know, um, about the financial state of that of that area. So, you know, there are a lot of uh, foreclosure taking place, a lot of people being disappointed with banks and, you know, trying to, to scrape whatever money they can to get by. And I yeah. also like the fact, like, for example, that that scene we mentioned with the the woman at that at that um, at that diner, which was both bizarre and hilarious at the same time. Bizarre in the sense of what she was seeing. You yeah. know, I wouldn't spoil what she says there, but you have to see it for yourself. But you could tell somebody like that, like you could see like in a retirement home, or just at home rocking by in some recliner, just watching TV. But you know, because of the financial state of things, she has to work. She has no choice. It's either she works or she starves. You know. And you could kind of tell as you're seeing it with Jeff Bridges' character. It's like, yeah, I could I could retire, but, you know, do what? Just stay home and watch TV and play with my dog, you know? Right. With all this crazy shit going on, I have to do something, you know? It kind of goes back to, you know, the Western and, you know, just this idea of being this cowboy, being this this good, this do-good. I, don't, I really don't want to use the word sheriff, because I can't imagine him being like the sheriff of this town, but he's not, you know? Yeah. He has a boss and he has to an answer to him. But he's just this guy doing the right thing. And then you have Chris Pines and Ben Foster's character. They are clearly the outlaws. They're the guys who, you know, they're doing all this stuff. And, you know, in case of Ben Foster, he's like the 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 the, the, um, the outlaw who goes and robs a bank and gets away with it and spends all the money on himself. But in this case, because they have this ulterior motive, which is, you know, trying to save their farm from disclosure. Sorry, for foreclosure, sorry. They're yeah. going to do what it takes. And you really see that Chris Pine is more goal-oriented. He's the one who kind of has that goal in focus, while Ben Foster is just about the trill of everything. But in a way, both of them are outlaws. You know, they are, they are against the law. They are doing things that, you know, they, they are doing unlawful stuff, but it's really for this, I don't want to say a lawful cause, but it's for a righteous cause, you know, basically, you know. Right. To kind of please against that. And then, of course, you know, they always talk about, you know, changing times and they kind of mention about the Wild West a bit. And I remember there's this one scene with uh, this guy, um, a cattle rancher, if you will, or basically he was just kind of trying to 
to move a, a, a herd of cattle across right. the street. I, I talk about and the then, yeah, way in the back, you're seeing this, this really, really large fire going on, yeah. you know? And he's talking about his kids and how his kids would yeah. never do stuff like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So all these things, you know, trying to hold on to old traditions while, you know, times are changing. I love that. Um, and yeah, but getting back to the whole revisionist Western thing, I could also call this uh, neo-Western as well, too. Yeah. Because, yes, the idea of the the Texas Ranger, the lawman going up against the outlaw. You've seen this in countless Westerns. But in this modern take, it's done also differently. And then, you know, with the with the financial, the economical climate that's, you know, being addressed in this film, it's all done in this different way. And what I love, especially in the very end, which I won't spoil, it's kind of like Chris Pine and just, um, sorry, Chris Pine and Ben Foster, they may seem to be bad, but, you know, they aren't killing anybody, you know, it's just near any climax where you really get to see shots going off and stuff. I won't see what happens there. But really... Yeah they just want the money they're not trying to be criminals they don't want to kill anybody they don't want to be arrested for murder and stuff they just want to get money and they just want to do it the fast way and this is the only way that they could think of and i like how the movie doesn't really stop and say well you know there's other ways you could get this money but no right. it, you really get a sense that but this is that, like a, okay. a last like this is so, like the last option that's why that's why i love to about it that's why because you notice uh well <laughs> i don't know if this has a better you notice who will be in Rob there? So yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's these banks that, well, people kind of look down on those banks. They don't like their right. policies. It's, they don't like specific, how they move. Yeah, it's, machine, a specific, yeah. it's a specific bank and it's a, it's a whole thing to it. So it's like a kind of personal. Okay? So it felt more personal than utilitarian more than anything. No? Right, exactly. That's why they, right, and it is what I liked about uh, with, with Chris Pine's character in particular is that you find out, oh, this is what they, that, that's why they did what they did. And when you find out what happened with him and you know, parents and whatever, and mom, it's like, oh, this is what they do with it. Oh, crap, this is real bad, though. Yeah, and yeah. again, to get into that moral issue with, with it, yeah. that if if no one died, um, they would have been like, all right, cool, this would have kind of moved on and there wouldn't have been an issue. But because the price was kind of too high, that's what the moral issue is. You understand where why they're doing what they're doing, but at the same time, the price is too high. And exactly. so it ultimately, it ultimately wasn't worth it, even if you would accept the wrong aspect of the what the crime they were doing, which is robbing banks. Yeah. Like if it was just them robbing banks, you probably wouldn't give a shit. But the yeah. price ended up being too high. And they get into that great moral as- aspect of because the bank is probably the shittiest person in all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and e- they, they even get into the towns people and all. Yeah, uh, they don't trust the bank at all. Right. That's why. That's why I, I would have cut that one little monologue with the character where you're talking about you know who owned the land, and I would have cut that because I find it was already told with the with the people who said they just had utter contempt for the bank. Yeah. And I thought that that just left that that was just good storytelling world building on its own, especially with the the other waitress, the waitress who knew Chris Pine was. Yeah. Uh, so that, that uh, was the whole thing. Right. Uh, and and yeah. something, well, there's something else that just, just dawned on me. Um, why, why I keep using the term neo-Western? Well, why I should call this a neo-Western is, you know, as you mentioned, how, you know, the whole financial, you know, the, the state of things, right? It's kind of like creating this Wild West again, you know, because basically, yeah. you know, it's... All right, like in, in certain Westerns, like especially there's, there's one called... Um, the man who shot Liberty Valance. Um, classic movie. It has Jimmy Stewart acting in it as, as well as um, John Wayne. But basically, it's kind of like how society is moving away from you know the the the, the cowboys and Indians attitude. You know that 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 outlaw you know 
rampant violence and stuff and right. it's moving on into you know development you know creating schools right. jobs and stuff but in this case with this movie it's kind of like reverting back to the old ways where you know right. things are so bad that now these guys have to play outlaws now or cowboys if you will well, to, that, to save their family Right, that's the thing with it. What they did, they did that aspect of you know the, the classic eye for an eye scenario end up happening with this now, and you know some people implicitly saw it as saw those guys as kind of heroes almost. Yeah, yeah like, like well, yeah. folk heroes in a way. Right, and it was like oh, because the, the, I think the situation was happening over the period of what two or three days, right? Yeah, it was about uh, about a few days. Yeah, it, it took over um, throughout the course of a, of a few days leading up to right. So people, one particular people, moment. Yeah, people didn't even have to think about it. You notice there are no young people in the town. It only had like one or two people who was kind of young. Um, just these yeah, days. Good just point. I, I didn't even pick up on that. Right. Yeah, you don't see much. So everybody move out. The town really, all, all the towns in, in and around the area. It had one young person. That was the, the girl in the bank. I think that was young. Even one young person. I right. And then and then um then Chris Pine's son. I think that was it. It's Chris Pine's sons. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Right. You don't see that many young people at these young urban professional types. You don't see that. Um, so it, you get a sense of everything being run down. And you get a sense of this kind of injustice to match injustice kind of attitude. It's like, all right, these banks suck, so we don't mind again, Rob. And they're going to build on that. But then, you know, as they say, the old eye for an eye scenario, and everybody end up being blind. Now, and yeah. you end up getting too much, too much, um, again, the price is a little too high. And I loved the, that exchange at the end with Jeff Bridges and Chris Pine. Yes, was yes, I love, it was a, that. I love that. It was such a perfect, like, oh, shit going down now because it's an age where, where you have produced too old and he's a family man, but the machismo aspect have to come out now. Yeah, to, exactly, to that whole cowboy thing. And right. I wouldn't spoil too much, but yes, they, they do a final showdown. You know, you have your two cowboys basically about to pull their guns out, but it's mm. just this dialogue scene that takes place. And it yeah. just, it just you know, it just bookends this film perfectly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was a nice, a nice little bookend because you don't know what happened at the end because he, he tell him about uh, give him a little look at an ultimatum kind of thing at the end. Yeah, and you're not sure if what would happen after now. Yeah. And it was like, it's like, yeah, this was pretty damn awesome. Yeah, um, a couple of things before we get to, to our um, our rating. Yeah, a lot of people will compare this show well right off the bat to No Country for Old Men. You know, more particularly right. Jeff Bridges' character, who yes is kind of like Tommy Lee Jones' character, but in this one, it I mean it's. It tells a story, it tells it well, but yes, you could compare to like Coen Brothers films, especially with the dialogue, but right. don't think of this as some sort of Coen Brothers ripoff. Like, yeah, No yeah. Country for Men was great, so yeah, we're going to try and copy that that style. Right. It's not like that. It's its another own thing, thing, it's trying to make its own points, and yeah. Right. Another thing, another thing it got into the banality of, of just, again, the banality of evil argument. Everything was pretty matter-of-fact in it. You know, how the film was shot and, and edited, but it didn't at no point you notice, I didn't notice the editing and the, the camera cinematography, unlike Sicario, which was everything was this kind of every frame of painting kind of approach. Yeah. Um, with with this, you didn't, you just, it just told a simple story. It told it told its themes. You don't think about it being um. You don't be, think be, about be, the editing be, be, at all. Being something else than than the the sum of its parts, so like. Right, and you yeah. don't think about it at all. So again, just the editing and the the cinematography. The cinematography is pretty straightforward. Yeah, right. And I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm still thinking if if it was shot like say Sicario, would it have made a better film? I have no idea. Um, but you know what I think is I think is because the director is not from America, so right. he doesn't like yes, West Texas looks beautiful and stuff. You know the outdoor shots. But I don't think that he would make a film like that to kind of 
you know, glorify West West Texas. This is not a right. John Ford movie where it's all about pro America. It's like, oh, well, look at the Grand Canyon, look how gorgeous this is, and blah blah blah. Right. It's about yeah, telling its story, and this this is just the setting. That's all it is. Yeah, you get it. Sense that you don't want to be living there. Now. Like it just dry and everything. That's how they just sort and out flats. everything dusty <laughs> and brown. Yeah, not that much trees go up grass and stuff. And everybody old and sad and gonna die just now. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. And, and, and and if you guys stick around like for the final shot, I'm not gonna say what it is, but yeah, the final shot with the credits rolling, it's kinda like, you know, uh, more like subverting that that you know, what you would expect from, you know, those like that John Ford Western. Yeah, 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 yeah. Movie, I, I, I kinda got that, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that as well too. That's um, what I stuck. That's why I stuck around for the credits. I thought we was gonna get like a kind of mid credits, post credit sequence, something maybe. But uh, it's like, alright, cool. And, and here's the thing, right? like when I went to see it yesterday, I I mean there wasn't that much people there, but as soon as it ended, credits had a rule. I thought that everybody was just going to get up and walk off, you know. But yeah. I saw like some people were just sitting down and they was listening to the music. Yes, the soundtrack. I don't know all these songs there, but the soundtrack is fantastic as well. Yeah. We just sat and just watched all the credits rule until it ends and we were yeah. just like wow like yeah <laughs> normally if it's like some big budget movie like a, you know like a suicide squad or a bbs you can't yeah. wait until the movie done and you get up and go but everybody just sat down and just watch everything just yeah play out and that was that's amazing that that's, that's yeah, no, how I, great a movie that is yeah I, I this was this was just damn good again i call it a one of the apology movies <laughs> yeah <laughs> because um, between this and probably kubo well kubo when kubo the two strings come out yeah, it is uh, yeah, making up for most of the bull. This movie yeah. totally made up for a lot of the bullshit that I had to deal with this summer. Yeah. I'll say if I had to trade this off between this and probably like, I now I could forget that Tarzan existed and and <laughs> Ben who existed. This this movie does pay off for two of that. Yeah. So it does the cosmic debt that is paid. I think um for the for the supposed <laughs> terrible movies that I got. Um yeah, I really well, enjoyed this movie. I'm gonna give him a rating soon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, well, give it now. Give it now. Right, I'm gonna give this a high IMAX. Um, nice, it's easily one of the highest ratings I could give. This was excellent, wasn't perfect, it wasn't particularly interesting or original in, in any like real clever way. It just was a simple damn story and just damn good filmmaking on a, on a whole for me. Uh, yeah. I really enjoyed this. Chris Pine was great, Jeff Bridges was great. Um, you know, I, I just enjoyed the characters, I enjoyed the space, I enjoyed the story. It had me the entire time. And yeah, this was just a, a just a great experience for me. I really, really enjoyed this film. I highly recommend this film. Go see it as soon as you can. Give it its money. You know, I want it to do well and and do you know do good money and big make, make well. Uh, this is more likely gonna make a top ten for the year for me. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed this. All right, very good. Well, well, for me, um, this last bit of bit of stuff I want to say about it before I get into my rating. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie as well too. I thought it was um, it was well put together. I love the direction. I love the writing. I love the dialogue. The dialogue stands out so 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 much in this movie. Yeah. Um, lots of moments where you laugh and lots of moments where you be like, yeah, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. You know, very insightful, yeah. very provocative and stuff. Minor gripes would be just the pacing is just like a little off at times, and yeah. I, I I do get that it's a slow paced movie. Right. So yeah, people who expect a lot of action from this because it's a crime slash heist movie yeah. will be extremely disappointed. But you know you have to give this 
time you have to give this patience. And like yeah. for me, like when I came out of this, I was just thinking about the particular themes and motifs in this, and yeah. that's seen a lot. Like I, I, you know, just going in to see a movie and then coming out of this thinking about it. That that yeah. says a lot, you know. Especially yeah. in 2016 with you know these sort of cookie cutter movies that right. we've been getting. Yeah. No offense to Deadpool and stuff, and you know, but you don't really use too much of your brain with those shows because it's entertainment yeah. but this one yes it is entertaining but at the same time it has so much things going on that you know they have to really think about it and and especially you know when when all the credits roll up it just you just they're like yeah boy like either i need to see the show again or i just really need to put some more thought into this again because you know it just yeah. says so much about society about characters and stuff um, I would have loved a little bit more, a little bit more of character development, but because of the simplicity of it all, I forgive. I, I, I'll, I'll just let that one slide. You know, it's about the simplicity of the characters, not trying to go too in depth about everyone. You know, you don't yeah. need to know why Ben Foster is so trigger happy. You don't need to know too much about why Chris Pine is also subdued. You see it. You have yeah. to kind of figure it out for yourself. Yeah, and Chris Pine, probably the best performance I have ever seen from Chris Pine. I, saw well. like, I don't know his his entire filmography, but my goodness. Yeah, I think that's probably <laughs> his best performance I've ever seen. It's like yeah. he's a person that always was just this kind of generic white guy for me. Um, yeah, even the, in Star the, Trek, the, the, the pretty boy. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even in, even in Star Trek, I, he never really pull in. He never really formed or filled in the cook rule properly, from in my opinion. Even in the last movie, which I liked. But he was like he just he just almost like a placeholder more than anything. But he, this was he, a he's character. his own character. He's he's no right. he's no William Shatner. Let, let, let me just be right. honest. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was still even he didn't become his own thing for me at all. Um, in in the in the new Star Trek films and for this, I just thought he was such a strong character. He totally worked. And yeah, I, as I said, the film has a the film had a great uh slow burn. Yeah, that's what uh, it is. That's a slow which, burn. Which worked, which totally worked for yeah. me in this. That's why I didn't really think of the pace and all that much. Because it just had like these little great human moments in it that just worked. Like, like <laughs> that is great scene where he was he was drunk in his room and he was talking about religion with the other yeah, guy. Yeah, with, with the TBN. Yeah, was little stuff, stuff like that. Yeah, I like that. That was a, that was a good scene. Yeah, that was a good and it is, and again, they keep, they keep you know, you know, having a great juxtaposition with the two pairs of men now. And it's two t- two pairs of men. If you think about it, it's similar, no? Yeah. Similar type of similar relationships. Each of them have one serious, one dumb and silly, and talking shit. And they, they you know, just that, just that juxtaposition of criminals, and it just work. Great yeah. script, simple. God damn. And, and and also too well the whole cowboy and Indian thing with Jeff Bridges and you know Gil's characters. I love that. You know, yeah. Gil Gil you know Gil delivers a great performance as well too. I know a lot of people talk about Chris Pine and Ben Foster and. Jeff Bridges, but you know, oh, no, Gil yeah, was yeah. fantastic too. Yeah, the, 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 the supporting cast was great in this as well. Yeah, and, and then I, of course you have the, the 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 from the robbers' perspective, so you have the wanting to do this for the rest of your life against. Okay, this is like the last job, and after that we retire, and that kind of vibe. Yeah. you know, and, I, and I love that is, back uh, and forth. And Ben Ben Foster's character, even though he's a bit of a rube and a, a kind of silly. He's incredibly resourceful and intelligent in that, in the sense of yes, at least from, yes, yes. <laughs> from dealing with crime. Because they, they have a really cool part with him with some with a gas tank. I love. Oh yes. <laughs> what it, I thought that was really clever. I, I didn't expect that at all. I was like, oh, you serious with this? Yeah. <laughs> it's not real sharp, though. Yeah. I was like that was great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So so for me, strong four out of five stars. Definitely yeah. see it as soon as you can. I yeah. know this show will fly over a lot of people's heads, especially yeah. with Ben Hur and Kubo and. War Dogs and all these different shows. Yeah, it'll fight, that, it'll that, fight, it'll... That, that you know that trying to wrap up the whole summer blockbuster um, season. Right. But please, 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 I urge you to to give this movie a chance. 
I, I, I definitely see this on my top 10. Maybe not in my top 5 yet, as yet. Maybe I just need to watch it over again and then maybe I could say yes. This will definitely be in my, in my top 5 right there. But right now, right. top 10 for sure. You know, great directing, great acting, great everything. Um, but just go in knowing that this is, this is a slow burn movie so don't expect an action scene every 5 minutes. Yeah. It wasn't just a simple, okay, cops and robbers story. There was more depth, yeah. more... Yeah layers to it and i love that so yeah definitely check out hell or high water mm-hmm. so i think that's pretty much about it yeah so we yeah. talked about the good we talked about the great and we talked about the crappy yeah <laughs> um stuff to look forward to well yeah we mentioned kubo what um, I, I think we get in the next couple of weeks unfortunately because we suck yeah uh, yeah there's war dogs is coming out um yeah. well this week I've been hearing it, it. Well, reviews have been kind of mixed about it. Right. I don't know, I, I, maybe uh, it's too dark. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's too them, funny. I don't I, know. I, 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 just, I don't like either of them all that much. So <laughs> those two actors, um, that boy from Fantasy Four, and then uh, Dude, other guy. Yeah. Whiplash. Come on. Come on. Yeah, but I think I don't. I, I only know him for Fantasy Four now. I love Whiplash, but I can remember him from that. I only remember J.K. Simmons. <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's just because I like my little, gl- uh, my, my little guilty pleasure movies every once in a while. Mechanic, Resurrection. Oh, boy. I don't know why it's called Resurrection. Again, I don't need feeling, to know why it's called Resurrection, again, but... I get, in, I get in the feeling that going to be a transporter. <laughs> again. It will be your, your generic standard Jesus Theater movie. If right. When you know what you get, you come out, you're happy. That's nah, all. I, I'm probably not going to watch that. <laughs> so... Okay, like song like bullshit. Um, it's have a bunch of great TV. Halt and Cat Try is coming back. So oh, really? Be... Okay, okay. Yes, a big this big fan what, of that third show. Third season or third second? season? Yes, third right. season. Big big fan of that show. Uh, right. So, um, Mr. Robot gonna be wrapping up soon. I think it wrapped wrapped up next week. I think. Okay, uh, well, ten episodes, right? So. Yeah. Okay. And then I'm gonna talk about that. Hopefully, I'll, I'll talk about that. And then the night of gonna be wrapping up soon. So. Yes, that's yes, a... yes. Looking forward to that too. I'll try to, uh, so, to check that out as well. Alright, cool. All right, so, uh, Ricardo, where can we find you online, man? Yes, you can find me Ampersat, R M E D D Y. That is at R M E D at R M E D D Y on Twitter. And then you could just type in my name on Facebook, and you could find me there. That's pretty much it. All right, well, you can find me on Twitter as well, too. You can look for Legally Black MJB, MJB and capital letters. Uh, if you want more about the get down when it comes to, you know, my blog and, you know, podcasts and stuff, you can just look for me on Facebook, type in Machibili. Also, you can look for a Legally Black blog official fan base as well. All right. So, yeah, so, oh, yes, right. and by the way, just to kind of recap, um, Netflix is the net, sorry, Netflix is the get down. Only six episodes, but you know, um, definitely check it out. You have a lot of fun with that. Uh, ben Hur, as Ricardo states, skip it. Yeah, bullshit. And sorry, and Hello High Water, definitely check it out. One of our favorite movies for the year. Glad we could both agree on that. Yeah. So, yeah. Please check it out before it stops showing in theaters. I have a feeling, like down here, we might probably get. It. I mean, if it's lucky enough to 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 show one more one more week, then great. But right. Uh, I yeah, feeling, it, yeah, I just yeah, have a feeling it might not last that long. Unfortunately. Yeah, the screen, the screen I went to was pretty small. It was like, I don't know, three or four other guys in the theater. Like, yeah, let me guess. Solo crowd for Ben Hur, right? Um, no, it was middle, middle. But I went in a weird time, so. Yeah, well, I guess more people going and watch over Suicide Squad. Maybe to yeah, see, 
yeah, I like it, but you know, maybe if I watch it again, I might like it again. You know, yeah, that that that, 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 that kind of <laughs> I'm not even going through that, unfortunately, because yeah, I don't no, have time. No time. All right. Speaking of time, it's time for us to go. So, yeah. <laughs> once again, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Whenever you listen to this, this was Matthew Bailey and Sada Medina. Hello. Yeah. Take care, guys. Later. All right. Yeah.